0: On this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. And then there's caffeine. You got to figure out if you're a caffeine metabolizer or fast or not. And typically, based on the studies, just the feel. If you feel really jittery after a cup of coffee, you probably are somebody that shouldn't have as much coffee. If you feel like you have longer, kind of calmer affect with it, then you're probably fine.
1: Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. Today, we're here with Todd and Mike and myself, and we're going to be diving into the health benefits of coffee. There are a lot of studies going around uh, over the past decade, honestly, that say coffee is good, and then they say coffee is bad. And it's kind of like saying uh, if you drink a glass of wine every day, you know you'll have numerous health benefits, but also alcohol is bad for you. So we're just going to dive into what exactly are the benefits of coffee and what exactly are the detrimental effects. So let's start off with saying what exactly... Is coffee. So coffee it comes from coffee cherries, which are grown on coffee trees. It's basically their version of fruit. The genus of the tree is coffea, very, uh, <laughs> very, <laughs> very closely tied. Very, <laughs> tied. Uh, very creative name there. Exactly. So there are 25 to 100 species of coffee plants. But there are two major ones that are used for commercial coffee, which you've probably heard of, Arabica and Robusta. Uh, they contain some micronutrients, but not too many. They have vitamin B and magnesium. But again, the quantities are so minimal. It's, we can just ignore those. They are, however, a large, a pretty big source of antioxidants, which we will be talking about later on.
2: Yeah, let's dig into coffee a little sure. bit. Do you drink coffee?
1: I do. I'm here with the coffee myself from Zoombox. Caffeinated,
2: decaffeinated?
1: Caffeinated.
2: From a uh, certain...
1: From Zoombox. Shout out to them and you, Canaan. Very make, good, They very good. keep me alive.
2: <laughs> make a nice cup of coffee. There. Mike, you do so a little good. drip of your own or overpour? Or- yeah, I
0: generally drink two. Like My wife says it's not two cups a day because I put more than eight ounces of water in there, but to coffee two times a day. The first I do a pour over. So I guess going into health benefits of coffee, the reason there's like coffee can be like loaded with sugar and it can be loaded with, you know, saturated fats with creams and things of that nature. It could also be housed in plastic and then you could be pouring hot water through plastic like in a K cup or something along those lines. So, I think you know, it's you got to kind of compare apples to apples when you're talking about health benefits. So, the reason I do a pour over is I tried to find uh, numerous coffee machines that did not have plastic, where it was either housed, the water was housed in plastic, or hot water was going through plastic, just based on the fact that it could um, obviously leach some carcinogen type things through. And you could refute that, and there's people that do refute that. But for the most part, I try to limit the amount of plastics just in my life in general for those reasons. So, I only basically found French press, which we'll talk about uh, in a second, what may be negative about the French press and then kind of a pour over. There are some really expensive ones that are out there that don't have plastic there, but it's actually really, really hard to find. I search for a while. So that's why I do a pour over. Plus I feel like it tastes better. Plus I feel like a barista in the morning, which is probably gonna be my second career. So I actually like it a lot. So just hot, hot water, um, bring it close to a boil. And then I kind of pour it over, kind of slowly drip it and goes
2: from there it's delicious it's funny i bought uh one of the illy coffee espresso makers it wasn't cheap but you know you assume you know you're getting a better quality but even to your point they're uh, the capsules they're pushing everything through capsules right now just because it's easier for home use and yeah. cheaper for that.
0: so there's the, the obviously the health benefits and then there's the environmental benefits so from an environment the guy who created carig actually uh, came out publicly and said he wished he never did from the standpoint oh, wow. of those pods having such a negative environmental impact. They just kind of sit in a landfill for the most part. There are now pods that are a lot better. Um, there are ones that have paper filters in there, so it's a little bit better then, but still, you know, decreasing single use plastic is something that I always try to uh, advocate for. But the. That's just the pods, but also the water in which the, 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 I'm sorry, the plastic in which the water is contained, it's really hard to kind of filter and clean that out. So if you look at there there's a study that looked at just bacteria in some mm-hmm. of those Keurig. This is an anti carrig campaign. I kind of feel bad saying this, <laughs> no, but no. it's really hard to thoroughly clean that out because essentially, even if you take that canister out, you pour it out, there's still water in the machine that never really gets fully flushed out. So it's a way to kind of flush it out through vinegar. So I was doing that for a couple of years. Then you had vinegar tasting coffee for a while. So it kind of just got me away from the, the plastic thing at all but coffee in its entirety is healthy. And there's some studies that show that it has health benefits. So Natalia, you mentioned that there's not a lot of nutrients there and that's true, but there are a lot of polyphenols which um, have antioxidant properties. So, you know, decreasing the risk of some cardiovascular disease, decreasing the risk of uh, cancer, specifically prostate cancer is one that we had found. So there could be a lot of positive health benefits, but same thing like alcohol, glass of red wine, to your point, is beneficial, but you know a bottle a night is not beneficial. So there's the coffee part of it, there's all the fillers and additives, there's the method in which you make it, and then there's also how much you're having, because then the caffeine is the second part of the conversation, and that can adversely affect sleep and do some negative.
2: So let's dig into that a little bit. What would be the you know maximum amount someone should take in coffee a day?
0: Well, I think it depends on the person. So there's, there's one study that uh, this New York Times article referenced, I think it was uh, four to five, eight ounce cups of coffee per day, Actually, had positive health benefits by decreasing, you know, the risk of type two diabetes, pancreatic cancer, some anxiety disorders, decreasing suicide rates. So there was a lot of positive health benefits. For me, four to five would send me like off the rails, and everyone would hate me because I'd be based really jittery. The,
2: based on the caffeine.
0: Based on the caffeine.
2: So, so you could do some decaf studies and the positive health effects. There's question of whether it's caffeine or whether it's right. just the.
0: the coffee. Yeah, you can do. You can get the health benefits of coffee. Uh, and kind of follow the study to a T and have all those positive health benefits by not having caffeine or just having decaf. Even decaf has a little bit of caffeine, so less caffeine. But there's also you know how, you, how your body metabolizes caffeine. So there's certain individuals that metabolize caffeine a lot more quickly and don't have some of those jitters. They can get to sleep really easy. They can have a cup of coffee at seven at night, go to bed at nine and be fine. Uh, and there's two genes that uh, are, have been linked to that
2: um i'm blanking on what they are because i was just gonna ask you because is it trial and error or is it do we know what those genes are
0: yeah no there's genetic uh the genetic polymorphisms that look at them in these specific two genes i'll pull them up here in a second actually i also know that
1: people with adhd don't process caffeine pretty well because it enhances their already stimulated brain exactly yeah so is that related to genes or is that just sort of your chemical makeup of the brain
0: It could be the chemical makeup of the brain. There's also adverse reactions with medications if somebody Mm. is on medications. That's another part of the conversation. So one of the caffeine metabolizing genes is CYP1A2. Individuals, and that could be affected by just having that gene. Also gender, race, um, certain environmental exposures can kind of enhance how much that gene is expressed. So individuals um, that have certain polymorphisms or just genetic SNPs of that gene can either metabolize Um, caffeine a lot more quickly or a lot more slowly. So, and typically the interesting thing about when reading some of the studies they kind of self-select the people that say caffeine has no problem. I can drink three cups a day and I go to bed, put my head on the pillow at night and I'm in bed. When you actually study those individuals, they have this polymorphism that allows them to process that a lot more quickly.
1: I know that you can also build up your tolerance to coffee. I remember in one of my bio classes, I, I don't remember what exactly it was, but it, I remember this little graph and they kept saying the more coffee cups you drink, the less of these specific little Xs were used you have. And that sort of replaces your natural um, ability to sleep. So the more cups of coffee you have, the more, it, you know, you can ignore the fact that you have only slept seven hours and then you get another cup and now you can only sleep six hours. Once you wean yourself off, it's actually you you, you crash
2: well the whole sleep thing is caffeine blocks the receptors uh it blocks the effects of the hormone adenosine Mm. uh, by blocking those receptors in the brain so if you're taking the caffeine in you're blocking the ability of the adenosine and it's affecting the sleep as well as other things you know dopamine serotonin norepinephrine so just basically everybody's going to be a little bit different with how they process it'll be interesting to see where this goes with genetic testing and really mapping it out. I think in 10, 15 years, everyone's going to be tested and we're going to know we can't eat or drink this. And then whether you choose to or not, your body will respond a certain way. We're already seeing it in the way we measure things with the whoop strap or uh, how your body responds, what your sleep patterns are.
0: Yeah. The other gene that I was blanking on was the, dora 2a genotype and then there's a bunch of numbers after it so it's a dora 2a 1976tt genotype so those individuals that have that specific genotype are typically less likely more likely to consume less caffeine, meaning they're going to be less tolerant. So it's, it's again, that they're less tolerant to that caffeine and also they self-select their bodies kind of know, therefore they drink lower amounts of caffeine. Um, half-life of caffeine, since we talked about sleep, I've read anything from six hours to four hours. So I generally tell people six hours, so that's half-life, meaning half of it is gone, but half is still remaining, right? So it's going to still affect you getting into those deeper levels of deep sleep and REM sleep if you're having it you know, too late in the day. So for me, two o'clock is my cutoff and I'm pretty firm on that. But everyone is, again, a little bit differently
2: based on how they metabolize. That's a guideline I tell patients and clients as well. Two o'clock in the afternoon, give yourself plenty of time. And, you know, there are some people I've read some things that will linger on 15, 16 hours. So
1: I've also heard that like if you get a coffee and then within 30 minutes take a nap, it actually boosts your uh, REM cycles. Is that is there any truth to that?
2: Well, the talk is that, you know, the caffeine can reduce your deep sleep sleep cycle. So, you know, you either get in lighter REM at that point. I don't know how it's interconnected, do you mind? No, I I don't know. That'd
0: be good to look at because I really don't know. I know that there's different... So the other thing is what else you're putting into your body. So alcohol can enhance uh, caffeine and basically... Well, it slows the metabolism of caffeine. So if you have coffee later in the day, then you're drinking wine, that half-life actually gets extended a little bit. So alcohol plus caffeine equals longer metabolism it takes a lot longer to clear out of your system so that could adversely affect your sleep there's certain medications uh, and certain things that you can eat that also uh, either enhance or decrease your ability to metabolize it
1: interesting because there's so many different types of like coffee cocktails like especially espresso martinis so is that recommended is that just going to mess with your head too much
0: yeah, my, my wife likes them here and there um, and she sleeps terribly after them. Now that she tracks her sleep, she's like that kind of never again. Um, once in a year kind of rears its head because a friend kind of orders it because she used to like them and now it's, it's definitely adverse effects affects her sleep because you're getting kind of the worst of the worst. Also, a lot of those uh, are espresso martinis. So how espresso is made and we kind of pointed to this in the New York Times article, like it doesn't go through a paper filter so that there's also some adverse effects of Detropines, I believe it is. So just basically a chemical component that doesn't get cleared out. Think of it almost like the adverse effects of like wine and some of the toxins that can be in wine, right? So that's present in the coffee bean. And if you filter it out, it actually doesn't affect you. But if you don't filter it out like espresso, because I also enjoy espresso, um, it's A, one more acidic, and then also... B, it could uh, increase your LDL cholesterol, at least for a transient period of time. So obviously LDL is the bad cholesterol, so not something that's ideal. So even within coffee, there's the brewing methods, the roasting methods that can affect it. So it's interesting, I think, we tend to, like most things, dichotomize coffee's either good or bad. Caffeine's either good or bad. Caffeine is an enhancer, it enhances your CNS function. There's a reason why it's, you know, I think it's still on the NCAA banned substance list for more than six cups of coffee, you know, before a game, for example. That was always something that, not that I was a big coffee drinker, but in school, but I remember athletic trainer used to always go over that, kind of decrease your caffeine intake. And nowadays, there's a lot of caffeine that's put in cold brew coffees and things that are out there in Starbucks. So you have to be careful if you're an athlete not to overdo it because it does um, kind of break the banned substances rule if you're taking in too much. But the point of this is that it enhances your CNS function can make you process a little bit quicker. Um, But some people just find it makes them too jittery. So it's really dependent on so many different factors. So
2: let's dig into caffeine amounts and just numbers. We talk about four cups a day, eight ounce cups, about 400 400 milligrams. A typical cup of coffee, if we're talking caffeinated coffee, we're looking at 95 milligrams of caffeine. In comparison to, you talked earlier about espressos or that shot of 1.5 ounces, is about 65 milligrams of caffeine. Tea on the other end, you know, I drink a lot of iced tea and, you know, if I drink caffeinated coffee, I'm off the wall. But, you know, drinking tea, this was nice as we dug into this, about 47 milligrams of caffeine. So about half of what you'd get in a standard cup of coffee.
0: And I could tell you, because we looked at this last week, Starbucks Grande, which is their version of the large, cold brew coffee. Yeah, The so cold brews when they steep the beans typically overnight, cold, so it's uh, up as the name implies, but typically they steep it over ice. There's a hundred different ways to do it, but it's a higher uh, caffeine contents, usually a little smoother, less acidic. So it has health benefits. They kind of put nitrogen in it now with the nitro cold brew. So it's really easy to get down. At large, the grande is 240 milligrams of caffeine. Wow. That's kind of become the norm for a lot of our staff here because we were talking about it, but I didn't appreciate
2: how much is in that. So we should have a one and a half cup limit for all of our stuff.
0: Meanwhile, people still conceptualize espresso being so much stronger, but you look at it, what you just said, 60. It's actually not. It's actually weaker sometimes than just a standard cup of coffee. But there is something cognitive about it that when you take it, I think maybe it's such a short period of time or just you think it's stronger. That I still have that effect from, like, oh, I'm all jacked up from an espresso, but I know the, the milligrams of caffeine are actually lower, so it's so, interesting.
2: So if we look at the milligrams in an espresso, and then we get the cappuccino or the the mocha, and you're mixing in the milk and the sugars, is it the sugars giving you a little juice, a little possibly, too? I don't know. With me, no, because I drink all my coffee, no, but black, others. but in general, yeah, yeah it could yeah. be, for sure. And then all whether the
0: brand is Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, doesn't really matter. Everyone likes to put type of fancy stuff in there, whether it be foam, whether it be you know, syrup, this and that, and all that carries sugar. So you get that sugar spike, you get the caffeine spike. Caffeine ingestion, I think they said, you know, between 30, after about 30 minutes of ingestion up to 120 is kind of when it has its peak effect. And then thereafter, some people get that, what they call that caffeine crash. But I, I would argue that's probably less of the caffeine yeah. crash and more of the sugar crash. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think some of the Starbucks drinks, I never even realized just how much, just how many calories there are and how many sugars there are in them. But even something like a pink drink, which is technically like a refresher. The worst
0: thing ever. Pink drink is, yes. we looked it up one time because one of our employees would have crazy. it. And I'm like, this is like causing
2: diabetes. It was it, yeah, was, it, it has was at something like, insane, like a hundred some odd grams of sugar. For I think, the yeah, lockdown. like 500,
1: we're, 600 calories for like a tiny little drink. Like yeah, it's we're going to kick
2: that can down the road. I want to dig into that on in another podcast. Maybe get into artificial sweeteners and other things that really juice these things up. We'll We'll kind of get this back on track with coffee and wrap this down. But that's another whole conversation that we definitely need to have.
0: Smoking, interestingly, you know, if anyone knows, I can think of like people that I've worked with in the past or, you know, uncles, et cetera, that they would smoke a cigarette and they would have coffee. Like, and that would literally be all day. So there's a good study that looked at individuals that smoked cigarettes or cigars, really smoking in general. They had faster caffeine metabolism. So something about they're not getting that effect you know, as much as other individuals with coffee. So I just thought it was interesting because I always go back to those people. And also, obviously, different lifestyle choices, yeah, someone who's smoking, yeah. right? There's there's so many different factors that affect it. Diet, same thing. Grapefruit juice actually decreases caffeine clearance by 23%, but that was a very random statistic, but anyone who's a big grapefruit juice uh, fan definitely know that. There's a, there's a lot of different things. So I, again, to bring it home, you know, ca- ca- coffee in and of itself can be very positive for health. Um, you could also go down a negative path by having a lot of fillers and crap in it, right? And then there's caffeine. You got to figure out if you're a caffeine metabolizer or fast or not. And typically based on the studies, just the feel. If you feel really jittery after a cup of coffee, you probably are somebody that shouldn't have as much coffee. If you feel like you can have a longer, kind of calmer affect with it, then you're probably fine. I still tend to tell people from a sleep standpoint, avoid it definitely after 2 p.m. to based on when you go to sleep, it's just kind of a safe number. My preference is actually be one or t- 12 or one. Um, so I tend to bump it up. Uh, and if you enjoy coffee and, you know, you think you have a positive effect, with it, that's great. But know that decaf is out there as an option um, if you're having some adverse effects with caffeine and sleep or anything like that.
1: Or especially if you're pregnant. Um, when you're pregnant, you should not be drinking coffee, um, as with many other things that you should not be doing during a pregnancy. Yeah, I think
0: they say generally like less than 200 milligrams of caffeine
2: per day.
1: Yeah, most people just do decaf.
2: All right, good job on uh, coffee. We dug into caffeine a little bit. We'll save some deeper issues uh, for the next podcast. I think next time we
0: should do like just taste tests. We should have a bunch of coffee here. <laughs> That's not a bad And idea. then
2: we just do real-time trials where we'll,
0: we'll take shots of espresso and just see how it affects us. Yeah, right,
1: right at 8 a.m., just yeah. so you're ready Let for your day. Yeah.
0: Here's a tolerance built up. You and I may be bouncing off the wall the rest of the day.
1: I I can drink quite a lot. I feel like caffeine doesn't affect me as much as it could. You (laughs) should
0: test your genetic polymorphisms and
1: see what's out there. I should. I should. All right. Very well. Great. If anyone has any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at performanceoptimalhealth.com. We'll be back next week as always. See ya.
0: Thanks.